Foster care adoption is not a financial question. It's a heart question. I say that because after you spend zero to $2,500 on the process, get the federal adoption tax credit, and the children you adopted receive free healthcare until age 18, this really isn't a money question. It's a decision you make with your heart. Are you willing to help a child or sibling group heal and thrive? Are you willing to adjust your life to be a child's forever family? But more deeply, are you willing to deal with your own past wounds and hurts to become an adoptive parent? Hi there, my name is Marcy Bursack and I am your personal foster care adoption mentor. I've been through this experience myself adopting a pair of siblings. My heart for the remaining 113,000 children who are still waiting to be adopted led me to use a stimulus payment to publish the Forgotten Adoption Option, a 70 page guide through this process, and then launch this podcast a month later. Then in 2022, I wrote a children's book called Are You a Forever Family? And I launched the Forgotten Adoption Option app, which spells out exactly what to expect if you plan to grow your family through foster care adoption. You can find all of these resources at ForgottenAdoptionOption.com. I am so delighted that you're tuning in and I wanna welcome you to be real, real about your heart, real about any questions that are running through your mind. In season three, monthly episodes will cover strategies for thriving as an adoptive family. You might also enjoy season one, where you can hear personal stories of adoptive parents and adopted children, and in season two episodes, where guests explain how to adopt U.S. children who are waiting for you in the foster care system. Whether you want to begin the adoption process right now or in the future, my heart is to help conquer the confusion and fears of the foster care adoption process so that fewer children continue to wait to be adopted. Welcome to the Forgotten Adoption Option podcast. In this episode, we will discuss how to know it's time to close your license. Christopher, really Chris, and Ashley have adopted a young boy through the foster care system and then later decided they no longer felt called to adopt more children into their family. Hey, Chris and Ashley. Hi, Marcy. Hi, Marcy. Chris and Ashley and I actually met through a mutual friend, Paige Holsey, who's a news anchor in our area. And I'm pretty sure one of our first interactions that Chris and I were doing was on Instagram message, which was really fun. <laughs> and from there, we coordinated meeting up for dinner where we shared our paths towards adoption through foster care and ate some really great food. So I'm excited to have you guys talking about something that I think, you know, once you're in this space and you're licensed, you know, you got to decide, like, is this forever? What, what, when do I decide to close it? So the timing of how you both got licensed separately to me is really unique. So Ashley, you were single when you went through classes. Can you tell us about that and then what led you to get licensed? Yeah. So I, gosh, I foster care and adoption had been something that was on my heart for, for a long time. And I thought maybe I'd weave that somewhere into my family. Um and then I hit my late thirties and I was like, okay, <laughs> you know, I wasn't married. Um, I had always wanted to sort of, I guess I'm more of a traditionalist. So I wanted to, you know, have a partner before I started a family, but I was inching, you know, towards 40 and just got to the point where I was like, I, I want to have kids. I want being a part of the foster care adoption world kept tugging at my heart. And I remember I was sitting in church one day and our pastor, I don't even know what the series was, but he was doing some series and he asked the question, like, where are you feeling that nudge from God? And it very clearly hit me that that, that I wanted to become a foster parent. 
And um, it wasn't necessarily going to happen in the order that maybe I had hoped for. Um, but I wanted I wanted to pursue it. And so um, I I just kind of started learning more. I went to a bunch of information sessions with adoption agencies. I didn't know kind of what track I would go down. Do I want to just adopt straight? Do I want to do foster care? Uh, so I did a lot of learning at first and then um, took the plunge and, and started that STARS class and everything. And I was kind of single on my own and had a ton of fear and what ifs, but I just kept plugging forward towards that. That's amazing. And for listeners that aren't in Missouri, STARS classes are what we just call it the licensing classes. Every state is their own acronym. So if you're like, I can't Google and find that, it's because it's probably Missouri and maybe a few other states. But actually, when you were saying things maybe didn't go in the same order you were thinking, were you thinking you might get married and then have kids versus having kids first? Yes, because of course that feels easier. Um, and I just, I wanted to get married. I wanted to have a family. And, and in my mind, that was sort of the picture I had painted and God had a very different, you know, order for me. And it, it took a little bit for me to be able to let go of that, that control, I think, and really follow where God was asking me to go. That's a, to me, a very beautiful story. And I love that you are you're able to share it with our listeners. So then comes along Chris, your relationship <laughs> takes off and Chris eagerly goes through the classes, which to me is pretty wild. Like, hey, let's get married and have a kid right away. Uh, so Chris, what was your experience like both attending the classes and then also kind of being in a new relationship where this foster care, this foster care piece was part of day one together? Well, um, it was, you know, Ashley tells our friends when she, on our first date was, oh, by the way, um, I'm going to be a foster parent soon, um, it was like she was telling me she was pregnant. Um, I, it didn't, it actually endeared me more to her. Um, I was in, I lived a different life uh, in my 20s. I had, you know, come from a town that there were more bars than people. So I, I, had, I had hit it pretty hard and I had recently, um, decided to stop drinking. I'd become sober and I'm now to this day, nine and a half years sober. So I was living a different life. That's amazing. Um, bring, well, thank you. And I bring, I bring that up because um, I, I stopped drinking when I turned 30 and when I was, you know, healthy enough to start dating and looking for um, a, a girl to, you know, spend life with you know, there were some uh, the odds that, you know, that girl in her thirties, forties could possibly be a single mom. Right. So I, I wasn't, you know, scared of that. Um, I love kids, wanted kids. So I was like, beam me up. Let's, let's do it. Um, I, I'm glad I was naive um, because I really think in this for folks thinking about getting into foster care, they got to just stop thinking about it and they got to do it. Um, because you can think yourself out of it really quickly. There's a lot of lo logical reasons not to, but uh, there's so many kids out there that don't have time for logic to scare you away. Uh, you just got to do it, and it's it's worth it for them, most importantly, but also you. Um, so 
I dove into those classes and there were a couple of classes that when it, when it real, when, you know, what got, it got real. And, um, I realized that, you know, we're not, we're not talking about, uh, the, the leave it to beavers here that we're going to have some, some kids that really need, need some love. And I mean, that are going to have some, a lot of trauma, um, which, which really just made me lean in more. Um, I don't know how it couldn't. Such an interesting background. So Chris, I think some listeners, if you're comfortable sharing or thinking, Please. well, I, maybe I myself, or I know someone who's on that sobriety journey. I wonder, did Chris have to do something extra or was there any question about your stability, having the background that you had? Was that something that got flagged or anything that you had to like? No. No, I mean, I did a background check and I, I went to, I went to inpatient rehab, um, straight up for, for alcoholism. And, um, there, there's something to that, that has, and I'm in the recovery industry to, to this day. So, you know, there's something to seeing the people whose families are wrecked by addiction because it's not a disease of just a, the addict, it's a disease of the family. And, you know, a large majority of kids that go into care are victims of disease of addiction. Uh, and I can see how that really is a strength for you to say, well, firsthand, I've done this and know this. And so I can even, you know, provide those sort of insights mm -hmm. that the child's in at my care that, yeah, has a background. In it's, been a, it's, 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 it's oddly, um, you know, the world's combined, but yeah, it, I will say this. The way that I, the, I could not parent today. I could not parent do, living the life that I used to live at all. I, um, I definitely couldn't parent um, a child that needs a little bit extra TLC um, like our, our son. Um, I, I just thought of it. It makes me like, I mean, what <laughs> the, the, the rinse, repeat, hangover, the, drinking cycle holy cow it's just like it's and i couldn't do it um and and it so it, it's been a blessing so many ways that i was able to to get and maintain um, a life of recovery and and then i met ashley and, and, and fostered and adopted our son we you know we were it was a reunification process so Going through that, we were working hand in hand with um, through FSTs and through, you know, the, the bio parents were both um, into controlled substances. And there was a lot of conversations around potentially going to treatment and sitting through those meetings and offering support. Um, we I would I can put my head on the pillows and we tried um, just it just didn't work out for for their sake and for, and for our sons, uh, in a way. And it's a hard place to be in that where you're trying to advocate and you want to help people. And I, I had a similar journey and was working in social service, which I know is part of Ashley's background too. And I remember talking to my boss, the CEO of this organization where I was like, I'm so torn. I really want these people, these adults in their lives to like win and like get stable. And it was really kind of an interesting response she said to me she said Marcy when they're sick and tired of being sick and tired like if they want it <laughs> you can't force someone to want it and I'm like this is so hard to watch like it just it's hard and so uh, 
just to bring listeners into that, when Chris was talking about FSTs, that stands for family support team meetings. And essentially, uh, while a child is determined, like it's, they are a, like in foster care before they're adopted, um, there's, our situation was monthly. I don't know. It was yours monthly for family support team meetings? Supposed yeah. to be. Yeah. Okay. So it's basically like the social worker and like the foster family and the biological family have a meeting and there's maybe a couple other people on the call or at the table. But anyway, that's what Chris is talking about, just to bring you along on that. So Ashley, was your original intention to adopt? Not necessarily. I, I knew I wanted to be a foster parent and, you know, they, when you go through the licensing process, they're very clear about saying this, this is not a foster to adopt program, essentially. Um, there's, you know, waiting kids uh, that, which I know Marcy, you work a lot with, but there's, you know, the waiting kids, but if you're going to go into the foster care route, the primary um, goal is reunification and with, with their biological parents. And so I was definitely open to it, but I didn't necessarily, I just couldn't set my heart on it because that wasn't, that wasn't the goal of foster care. And so I sort of left it up in the air and thought, you know, whichever child gets placed with me, I'll go through the process with, and we'll see where we land. Of course, that's so much easier said than done. <laughs> because, and Chris and I will talk about this often of foster care and adoption is one of the hardest things about it for us, at least has been having competing emotions at the same time. So, you know, wanting, like you were saying, wanting that parent, that bio parent to win, to recover, to, to become well enough to, to get their child back. Absolutely. And there's this little human with you that you absolutely fall in love with and, and, and can't imagine them leaving your home at any point. And so it, it is this really competing emotions. And so it's hard. It's, it's hard. Yeah. But no, we were, I was open to, to fostering for reunification or adoption. And I, I appreciate you sharing that sentiment with our listeners that the hard part about the competing emotions, we're not just talking like Ashley's feeling one way and Chris is feeling another. We're talking about within Ashley's own person. Like you're, yeah. you're, you're, you're like arguing with yourself and, and torn in so many different ways. And so Chris, for you, did you have a similar kind of open-mindedness? It's the only way I can tangibly describe so people can, can, it's a non-cliche, I can tangibly describe what it feels like to 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 foster children in, in the today's system is that you will feel and it's not just the the mid-level emotions you will feel the opposite emotions at the very same time a lot of the times playing tug of war inside you and you feel you're twisted up like a pretzel you'll feel uh, 100% anger and 100% joy at the same time, or 100% sadness and 100% joy at the same time, 100% anger, 100% happiness, whatever that opposite is. You feel that. And if try to imagine it, and then, then it, well, and I tell them that. So, and then I've had people do it, and then they're like, ah, that's what you meant. I get it. And then, like, it, they, yes, we root, we root for the, the, the reunification for the kiddo, for the, for the mom and dad, the bio parents, but 
also when you're putting your heart on a platter to get absolutely shattered because you've it's our job to give these kids all of all the all they're entitled to it and signing up for it it's the most selfless thing you can do i this is not hey look at us this is the reality of it and they are worth it for that at least that amount of time that they're with you um and for to your question about the open mind is i i don't think i've ever i've sold two things in my life that have been before i got sober i always lived god fearing you know I, i grew up italian and it was i know i'm you know I don't know if it was this you know, like more of a like leaning kind of you know leaning Catholic didn't go to church a whole lot but you know you're gonna you're gonna have to answer for some stuff you know to, to keep it clean. When I got sober, I I I found out really learned what grace was and became God loving and leaned in to my faith and really got to know what that looked like. And, and I bring that up because I haven't followed like Jesus tangibly more than anything in my life when regards to two things. And that is my sobriety and this, that the journey that you asked about the fostering and because it is, I don't know how, like I said, I couldn't do it sober. I don't know how I could do it without trusting and having faith that because this, the second we met our son and Ashley talked about it on the first time we met him, I knew she, I don't, I don't want to speak for her, but it's like, she, so. Yeah, that's a great segue. Yeah. Why don't, why don't you tell us like in your experience, what your meeting of your son was like, and then we'll hear from Ashley. What? Her- well, I mean, just pr- like, so practicing reunification for two years, knowing day one, like, just unconditionally loving this kid like he's your own. Like I talk about trusting in God, like to just, it's his will, man. And I have no control here. And there's not a process in the world that reminds you every second of every day that you have no control in fostering a child. And if I, if I didn't have faith to lean on, I don't, this is not possible. This would not have been possible for me to do this. And, um, so when I, I remember it, like it was yesterday, she sent me a, I, I was at work. She called me and said, I got the call. I got to go to the case agency and pick up this little boy. And I was like, what's his name? How old is he? And she's like, I don't know. <laughs> you don't know. So, and and it's, it's had been told to us that you might, they might say, you're picking up a five-year-old um, boy, African-American, and you go and pick up, it's a two-year-old girl. Caucasian like you just sometimes it's a game of telephone by the time they leave like court and end up but um so she's like I don't know and she was I think if I remember kind of stuttering uh, (laughs) and half crying not knowing what to do um and she's like she's like I gotta go to somewhere to get a toy or something because it is a boy and went got him and I remember going to the her leaving work going to her apartment and pulled up in the the driveway they weren't home yet they had gone for a walk it had stormed that day and i looked up the street and she was walking him towards the house he was just jumping in these puddles and 
when they got closer and they finally came up to me, he like eyeballed me. He was skeptical. I don't blame him. But you can tell he had been through a day. He had had a day. His cheeks were puffy. He had he, he had been laughing for the last 20 minutes, but you can tell that it had been a long, long day for, for this little guy. And that's what I think. And I just like, you're going to be okay tonight. Like, you're going to be okay tonight. So we didn't know how long. And talk about melt. He just melt. And he had this curly fucking hair. <laughs> like these big curls. The sweet memory. Yeah. So Ashley actually goes and gets him. And then you get to meet him once he's at her apartment. So Ashley, what was your, your so take us back to like what Chris said, you're on the phone and you're kind of stuttering. What What's going on with you in that moment? Yeah, I mean, I was at work. It, it happened to be Good Friday. So, you know, it's a Friday at a little before lunch. And I get a phone call from a, uh, you know, a number I don't know. I answer it. And I had been licensed for several months. So it wasn't like the day I got licensed, they call me and say, so I had been waiting and waiting for that call. And I've never been pregnant, had a biological child, but I can imagine, you know, that same sort of anticipation of waiting for that day where that you get the call and the call finally comes. And it's like, I imagine like going sort of launching into labor, right? Oh my gosh, grab the bag, grab the things we prepared for. Um, but I got the call and I remember I was standing out of in the parking lot of my work and you know, they, they tell you, prepare the questions you have for the caseworker when they call about the child. And of course, in that moment, everything rushes out of my head that I prepared <laughs> for. And um, I just said, yes, I, you know, I knew, I, I probably knew his age, gender. Um, and that was probably about it. what agency he was at, obviously. And I just, I said, yes, and I'll be, I'll be there in an hour. Um, yeah. And I, and was that obviously part, did you actually go to the agency to pick him up? Is that where they met up with you? Okay. Yeah. Which I know varies. Sometimes they bring the child to your home, but they asked me to come up to the agency where he was at. And so I walked in the door and he was playing like any three-year-old boy would be playing. Right. Um, and as Chris said, he had this brown curly hair and I mean just I can picture him in my mind it's so sweet so you know what's funny about Ashley is a little aside here is she has to process things like decisions painfully slow <laughs> like when we were perspective moving. Chris you know for some people like really living it through the emotion is such a positive to their life <laughs> uh she is like I remember when we were moving from that apartment to a bigger place and it took her two weeks to process that so to get this call and with minimal information and you know say yes it <laughs> she did it you're, you're <laughs> she proud of her that she, uh, yeah, she did something proud, outside. yeah sounds like it was outside of her comfort zone ashley i can uh, relate to that the I holy had... spirit must really leaned in and took over just gave her that courage to move on. So you all, I know you fostered him and then eventually you adopted. So eventually you're 
Legally a Forever family. And to kind of fast forward on that. So when we met for dinner, you all shared with me the closing of your license, which basically for listeners, that means like every year you have to like tell social services you're going to renew or not. And you can close it before even then too, but it's basically like, yes, I will do this or not. And the reason for it is social service only has so many families they can license at a time, blah, blah, blah. And they need to make sure they blah, know blah, kind blah. of, yeah, they, they, <laughs> so they know like who they can call on things like that. But you all had decided to not renew or to close your license. And you said that it was a pretty weighty decision. And for listeners, especially because we just heard about how Ashley processes things, especially. So for listeners, you can get licensed after completing state requirements and a home study. And then you can maintain that for so many years, as long as you're like taking so many hours of training a year, every state's different. So I'm not going to give you numbers on things, but what was on your mind is the question that ultimately led you to close your foster care license. Like what, what was going through your story or life at the time that you guys were like, we're done. This is what Ashley tried to prep this morning at breakfast. And, and I said, don't don't we we sort of started talking about it so this morning we we met we had we went out to a diner for breakfast with our son and she was like what are we how are we going to answer this and we started talking about it and i go stop let's save it for the podcast because she was getting really authentic and, and profound and because this isn't an easy question to answer and i don't mean easy it's hard to talk about it's hard it's not hard to talk about but it's still weighty today i have a lot of personal feelings I'm a little I still feel a little like angry anger towards the system for forcing us to make a decision um I have feelings of loss um I have feelings of like guilt so just name a few um, my wife's a therapist for the people listening so I've learned how to talk about feelings which is um, also why she processes through feelings so our listeners sure. like oh got it um so validated good you should thank you so what what i'm what i'm getting at is like it's it's still difficult like and it's not a it's not a yes or no or right or this is why this clear cut why we decided there were multiple so many factors uh, why you know and I told Ashley, and, and I'll let her tell you what she was saying to me at breakfast, but I feel that we were kind of forced to make a decision by whether it's the state system or the, sorry, yes, we had not taken a placement. We were keeping our license open because our bio, our son has a bio, bio sibling, two now that have, um, high probability of, of going into state care. And if our license was open, they would come to us immediately if they go into Missouri. They will cut, cut because kinship placement, uh, sibling placement trumps kinship placement. Um, both bio- so Jump in real quick to like say that definitely to our listeners. So what, what Chris is saying is because they would have a biological sibling that would get priority over placing this child with say like an aunt or an uncle or a grandparent that's what you're saying right yes cool. it's here in missouri so i know one of the siblings there's a baby probably within a year lives in illinois one lives in missouri 
baby sister, you know, there, there was a chance. So if we were still, it would, it would, inst she would, the child would instantly come here because we would still have our, the license would still be intact. Um, now there would have to be a, I don't know if it's an ICPC, Ashley, or that's crossing the lines, I think, sea lines, but there would be. An a, ICPC a, just means a state can place a kid in a different state. Just giving you, Chris has given lots of acronyms. We'll just jump in. Sorry. <laughs> it's cool. Just want to make sure I listen. But I think, I, so there's, so, so because of all that difficulty is why I, we never wanted, we wanted to leave it open, but not necessarily take another placement unless the placement was, and it sounds selfish, you know, last resort, perfect for us. And that sounds selfish. Ashley and I were talking at breakfast. We aren't spring chickens anymore. Um, and it's hard and we have to take our son's best interest and well-being and now into the equation because now we are a family of three making decisions instead of a family of two. That I don't want to hijack the whole conversation. Yeah, I mean, there. I think the conversation is hard because there is no clear one reason this is, you know, it's something that we still wrestle with. Did we do the right thing? Um, it's very, it's hard. And, and the year and a half or so leading up to our decision, um, you know, there were times where I was really wanting to take another child. Um, and Chris was in a place where he was like, I, I don't have the bandwidth to do that. Um, and, and felt very strongly about that. And so we kind of tabled it. And then we got to the point where he was more open to taking a placement. And I was like, I, I don't have the bandwidth right now. Like we just weren't, weren't aligned for a lot of that time. And then it came to, to- We said yes. We said yes to a five-day-old yes five baby girl drug exposed on our way to our house. On our way to our house. We, we did what Ash didn't process it. <laughs> At all that day. That was a hard day for us. That we said yes. I was at a work conference. She was got the call. We said yes. I paced around this work conference. People were looking at me like I'm crazy. Like, what's wrong? I go, I can't talk right now. And I'm pacing around it. She's like, I'm sending, I'm like, you gotta go to Target, you gotta do this. She goes, Hold on a second. They still have to bring her. Let's see if they bring her. Because she had a hunch. And then three hours later, she didn't show up. The case worker called and said, We found it kinship placement um and we like there was a sigh of relief but there was a it was a gut punch because we were we were we had gotten excited our life would look different right yeah well and it's another case of like in a different situation but the double emotions at once so you're like oh <laughs> yeah, wait like exactly. it's, just, it's hard it's hard in that space. Actually, and then and during COVID, we we said yes to a, a baby boy and um, they found grandma at the last minute. Remember that? Mm-hmm. And Which that's what they do. I'm glad they find family members that, you know, it, it's easier to, it's easier for my heart if they place with kinship before they visit our home, you know, and we grow attached, but right. But there's a bit of rejection in there and a bit of like, oh, you kind of, you kind of feel like you fell in love with this idea that didn't ever materialize. I wonder Ashley in total, how many years was your license open? 
Oh, that's a good question. Um, I so got sense. licensed in 2017. 17. Was well, it January? Good Friday is 17 and um, is when he was placed with us. So you got your license January 17. Yeah. Because I got mine in March. And then when was it? This beginning of this year? So six years? Yeah. And, and so I want to share this, which all through those six years, we were on what's called home finding texts from our case agency, which has had a couple different, I think that's that, and you'd get these text messages and, you know, a lot of teenagers, um, and then a lot of babies and I mean, at the hospital, but you felt, you felt it, it may be nothing to people, but you'd get these texts and just cause we couldn't say yes to all of them or all but two of them, we would, each one hit us and we prayed for each one. And it, we felt a part of the team, if you will, and thought about each one. And it was important. I mean, it's like, it, it, none of them were forgotten. Um, but saying no is really hard. You feel like an awful person. I don't know if that's where you're going with this. Like, well, that. But so, so where I'm going with that is, just, I mean, it's that it wasn't an hour after Ashley sent the email that we're not going to because we had about 15 hours of videos to watch, which is a silly. I know you have to do the training, but they're like, if you don't complete it by, you know, next week at 6 p.m., we got to close your license. And we're like. You're, what I said, I was angry at this. It's you're getting rid of a, a quality home that's a resource for the state. Why, when you're begging for people to be available for when there's not enough, it, it made it frustrated me. Um, it doesn't really compute for to me all, all the way. I understand some of it, but not all of it. So it, it makes it frustrates me. Within an hour of her sending that email, we both get a text. You've been removed from home. Like it was a, it was brutal. I was on the golf course. She sends me a text. She goes, "Did you just get that?" Like, I got. I don't know about. I, I, I it hit me. I know, and I'm. That's what she said. It, it crushed us. Like, so I'm mad. I'm mad. I feel angry right now. What were you gonna add, Ashley? And it's that it's it's a feeling of loss because you invest and we invested a lot of years and this was something that we we still very much want to be and are a part of advocating for children in the system and um but to to accept maybe our own season of life and capacity and limitations when there are so many kids that need a safe and loving home. And so you feel guilty to say no. Um, well, at least I did. I'll say for myself, I felt guilty for you saying say no. I felt I felt extreme sadness and loss of like this has been a part of our identity and our family and and a, a calling that we have felt for a very long time. Um, and so to let go of that and to say this, this is not the season for welcoming another child into our home. Um, it's, it's just a point of acceptance that's really hard to come to. 
um, and to to sit with the grief and the loss and and the anger and yeah, just and just feeling that knowing how many kids are out there that need homes. Um, and so Chris and I very much try to stay engaged and involved in advocating for, for children in other ways. Um, and, and we also had to consider our son and, and what was best for him. And that was a big part of this decision as well. Um, we still face a lot of challenges as a family um, based on, on his history and, and every, I feel like every year and every developmental season, we are trying to figure out um, what the next step is and what resources to pull in. And it, it takes a lot of mental and emotional and physical um, energy and investment. And again, so just recognizing like we can't do all the things. And in this season, we have to say no to this one piece of it, which is hard. So I'm going to go totally and, off script. Oh, so go ahead, good, Chris, you go first. Well, I mean, and to that point, like, in the, you know, it, the, to that, when they removed us from that thread, it was a automatic thing. It wasn't a personal shock for them. I don't want them to, it just, they'd removed our number. And I think it automatically, it's like an out of office reply. It wasn't, but it was a re, it was a gut punch to us reading that is what I was getting at. And, and the point I think we're making is they're like, not for one second was this a flipping decision one and done. We got our kid and we're out. Like we are, our life has been changed by this. Um, we, we are not out. We're not done. We are, we are going to be as in as God gives us energy and air in our lungs. And I would, I would be surprised if even our son doesn't take up a cause um, because we have a, we have a, a foster and adopt group that we started in 2019 that's gone through COVID and has grown and we meet once a month. And this is like a social he, group, right? You guys have a bunch of people, yeah. that you know, that are local to you that you bring together to do this together to Ashley leads it. Kids. And so our son lead, like Ashley leads it and our son is the, I mean, they all, the little kids really look up to him and he takes them under their, his wing. It's uh, it, it, and that was all organically and it's pretty majestic. The first time we saw these kids get together and, and play amongst each other, they don't have to talk about it, but you can tell that they are amongst kids that get it mm -hmm. and they're in their forming their own little bond um, where, you know, they can be themselves and just play the way they play and be who they are with all their scars. It's, it's just life changing. And, and I know that, um, you know, with anything that, you know, God blesses us with, with in terms of um, business that I'm involved with, we support the Foster and Adoptive Coalition here in St. Louis, um, who does really great work in the community for, you know, kiddos and, and families alike. So, um, and we're always looking for, for more ways that we can, we can help. It's been a blessing meeting you. Um, it's just anything we can do. It's a, just, we're unable to not do it. So it wasn't a flippant decision and it still isn't something that we take lightly. Yeah. It's a weighty one for sure. And this is not in my script, but I feel like 
there might be someone listening that's similar to you all that thinks, oh my gosh, that's totally how I felt. And I still feel it. And it's hard. And I know even for me, my husband and I adopted our two kids and we had asked the same thing and we were like, we can't right now. Like we need to form as a family. Like there, there were just lots of things and mm-hmm. that gets kind of complex in that space. But I feel like what I want to share with you all, and this might be more for you, it might be more for listeners. I don't know, but I, I do work in technology by day and I love hearing user feedback and I love making it better. And so I'm thinking, man, if I were to write your text that you should have gotten, right? If it should have been more human, what it should have read is, dear Ashley and Chris, we are so grateful for your (laughs) years of service to the children in our state. You helped so many more than we can count. We could count on you. And we want to say thank you as we remove you from our system like that. I know it's a long text, but like, I just want to give that to you that it sounds like you didn't get to be told. Thank you. Well, that tell you that. Thanks, Marcy. That makes me. Ashley's crying. I'm crying. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. People sign up and do this. And, and our listeners, I know some of you are going through this right now. Or you're thinking about it. Yeah. This is super thankless on the inside. You, you don't get like a high five when you sign up, you know, like they're like, oh, we need you. And they give you kids, but there's not like a, there's not often those just simple words of thank you. And so I hope that encourages you all. Uh, maybe you can take that and go to breakfast again and, and process that. But as we wrap up, I'm going to shift our emotions a little bit. I do wonder now that you know what you know, what would you pass along to listeners who are maybe thinking about this or just beginning to get involved in the space? And we'll have Chris go first. I'll say, I think I, I opened with this stop. You got to stop thinking about it and you got to do it. It's, it is worth it. All of the, all of the hard is worth it. Um, and I've grown so much through this and I've grown so much and learned so much through our son, um, who is so resilient and such a fighter. Um, and I've, I see humanity differently in a, in a good way. Um, even the people that that we think are are harming our kids, um, you know, I see cycles of of trauma and cycles of, of abuse. That it, so, if there's a way to break that cycle, this will leave this world in a better place for generations. And um, our son's great grandfather told us that we're doing that for our son, his bio great grandfather, because it was cycles. I mean, generations of trauma and, uh, and abuse that it, that is poverty led that's going to s- stop because we said, and Ashley said yes. So say yes, stop thinking about it. It's so worth it. So good. How about you, Ashley? Yeah, I mean, I, I would say the same for me. You know, there's just never a time where we're not going to be fearful. Maybe there are listeners out there that aren't as fearful. <laughs> I shouldn't project, but but it's a big thing. And so there's always unknown. The system can't prepare you completely. And so there's always going to be things you don't know and are unsure of. And uh, just taking the next step was helpful for me. I'm just going to focus on what I'm going to do next. And then I'll get more information and be able to take that next step, not looking all the way down the road um, and trying to figure that out. 
and also trying to build a community to rely on because this is not this is not work to do alone. Um, I mean, you need all sorts of people, and for us, having other foster and adoptive parents has been so vital for our longevity in this, for our day-to-day, you know, we're going through X and we can bring it to a group of people that if nothing else, just say, ah, like we get it, (laughs) that's hard. And listen, don't necessarily have the answers, but but can just be like-minded and there for support. So community is essential. Absolutely. And if you're listening and you're thinking, oh, well, I don't have that. Well, Ashley and Chris built theirs. So, <laughs> uh, and I would even encourage you like in the day and age that we're in, that might be a virtual group or a, you know, a seasonal group or whatever that might be. But I really hope listeners that this, this episode in particular has given you a real deep peek of a lot of the ups and downs and real decision-making that goes into being in the foster care system. And so Chris and Ashley really appreciate you guys being so honest with us and sharing some inner thoughts and feelings. I think that's been very valuable. So thanks for coming on. This is just such a pleasure. Thanks for having us, Marcy. And that, (laughs) well, you can come up with that. That text was powerful. Uh, Thanks for that reply. I'm going to tell good our case agency that they might need to hire you. (laughs) just send them this episode like hey you you need to to improve that please i am going to send them this that's not a pretty shirt as a listener of the forgotten adoption option podcast you are helping to raise awareness about foster care adoption and the 113,000 adoptable children in the united states by leaving a review subscribing sharing and talking about this podcast you can help a child and sibling groups find their forever family. If you only have time to do one, sharing is the most impactful way to help a child who is waiting to be adopted. If you'd like more information on adopting a child or sibling group through the foster care system, please visit my website, forgottenadoptionoption.com. There you will find how to get started using my new and free Forgotten Adoption Option app, and you can even order a copy of my book for adults, The Forgotten Adoption Option, which guides you through the entire process And you can find my book for children of all ages, Are You Forever Family? You can pick from paperback, audio, and ebook formats, and you might even be able to find my books at your local library. Please keep me in mind as you're thinking of gift ideas and guest speakers. If you have any question about the process or you're wondering if you're even qualified to adopt, please reach out. Please send your friends and family my way too. You can easily find me by searching for Marcy Bursack on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram. I intentionally carve out time each week to encourage and teach people just like you. I really appreciate you tuning in, caring, and sharing because every child deserves to be in their forever family.